Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Brandon Russell, and I'm the online writer here at IFA Magazine. Joining me on the podcast today is my co-host, Jacqueline Wilson. Thanks, Brandon, and welcome to a very special GB Investments podcast for IFA Talk. Today, we're talking all about the Northern Powerhouse, what the tech landscape and ecosystems are like, what advisors need to know about investing through regionally focused EIS fund managers, and why 2023 is predicted to be a good year for investing in early stage EIS qualifying companies in the north of the UK. With us, we have David Foreman, founder and managing partner of Praetoria Ventures, based in Manchester, and Aidan McMillan, senior investment manager of Par Equity, based in Edinburgh. A very warm welcome to you both. Cool. So, David, can we start with you then? We'll jump straight into the first question. What is the startup investment ecosystem in the north of the UK like? Why is it often overlooked and what improvements can be made? Okay, so I'll start by assuming that people, you know, generally doing EIS investing generally use London EIS fund managers. I think the startup uh, sort of startup ecosystem in the north of England is better than people would think outside of this out of this space, and I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, I think that ha- having said that, there is some huge sort of fundamental. Uh, sort of drivers, which may mean that the northern ecosystem for startups is underfunded. And you could look at that two ways, a negative, but also an opportunity. So just to kick off, I'll give you some pretty startling stats. So the north of England is 20% of pretty much any economic indicator you'd have for the UK. So population, GDP, number of active companies, which is broadly the same as London. Um, So 20% each. But when you look at VC, 80% of VCs live and work in London. 3% of VCs live and work in the North of England. And given VC is a pretty local sport, so you know, especially at the early stage, the seed series A funded, uh, seed series A companies, you know, VC is something where actually being face to face and being local to people is actually really important because you can build those one to one relationships with founders, which we all know is way better on face to face than it is on Zoom. You know. That 80% to 3% ratio in VCs means that more than 60% of funding goes to founders in London and less and about 11% of, of, of VC capital goes to founders in the North of England, which if you then extrapolate and say, well, the, the amount of VC capital per capita or per active company or per GDP uh, in London is the right amount. It creates a nine billion funding gap per annum in VC capital in the North of England, which is an astonishingly big number. Um, I don't think that's quite right because what I think is actually happening is more capital than should be is deployed in London, and less capital than should be is deployed in the North of England. And you know, and with Aidan on the on the podcast in Scotland as well. And if you think about that from a opportunity perspective. It pro- I, I just refuse to believe there is a you know a, a monopoly on talent in London. I refuse to believe there is a monopoly on entrepreneurial flair in London. It means that worse founders in London are getting funding, and that and only the very 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 best of founders are getting funding in the north of England and Scotland. So the quality is higher, and I think that for people who are looking to invest in early stage companies is a real opportunity because you know. We we in Manchester and Par in Scotland have access to the very very best founders in our region, um, and that creates you know great returns. And I think the other thing I'm sure Hayden would agree with this 
it's hard to prove empirically, but, uh, but it's absolutely a truth. The valuations that you pay on early stage Series A, C stage companies in North of England or in Scotland are significantly lower than businesses with practically the same metrics in practically the same markets in London. Um, I think part of that is a, is a cultural thing. I think part of that is a choice and opportunity thing. But fundamentally, you know, we buy if we can, if Par and Prichora can buy locally and sell nationally and internationally, there's a huge valuation arbitrage to be had from backing those very, very best businesses in the north of England or, or, or in Scotland. So I think, you know, the the startup ecosystem is burgeoning in both the north of England and in Scotland. It is getting more and more. Uh, attractive. Um, the there's always been an attraction in building a business outside of London. You know, cost of living crisis. You know, the ability to hire people, the ability to bring talent in, the cost of even things small things like office space makes it really attractive to build a business outside of the core. You know, outside of London, uh, and for VCs in 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 the regions, I just think there's a sort of you know there's this huge opportunity to back the absolute best founders in the region. Uh, at very attractive valuations. And then as we grow the business and VC becomes less local, if you get to Series B, Series C, VC doesn't need to be as local. You know, it can be, we've got businesses where we've backed it from early stage at sort of, you know, a few people an idea at 4 million pre-money and then it's taken London capital, European capital, and then capital from SoftBank, valuation increased from four to like 220 million. You know, that opportunity to kind of go from local to national and international is huge and there's a valuation arbitrage there every single time that happens. David's obviously given a, a lot of good stats so I won't recover uh, that. Probably the only stat that I'd mention is that uh, the Scale-Up Institute have uh, kind of come out and said that there's 50% more scale-ups in the north of the UK and with that 9 billion funding gap that Dave mentioned that, that obviously presents uh, probably quite a, a stark issue in the ecosystem but also a huge opportunity. Um, I think in terms of the improvements uh, or in terms of the kind of ecosystem at the moment, we obviously invest in Scotland, North of England and Northern Ireland. Um, in Scotland in particular, uh, the, the ecosystem is kind of characterised by quite, quite, quite high density of angel syndicates that are kind of not, they've not, they've not got a similar kind of commercial model to a proper scale uh, VC fund where you, you have a kind of recurring revenues paid 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 by your investors. It's quite quite hand to mouth kind of stuff, uh, and that's why quite a lot of uh, angel syndicates have to charge companies fees uh, in Scotland and and the, and the north of England. Um, I think we 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 definitely want to see more um, venture funds setting setting up shop in in Scotland uh, and the north north of the UK, and um, whether that's a uh, established fund managers down in London that uh, really kind of come out of them 25 and look up here um, because of the kind of burgeoning uh, scene up here um, or whether there's there's new entrants to the market um, I think that would be um, a, a welcome development for everyone um, I think the the thing that the, 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 one of the other pieces that obviously makes the, the north of the UK very appealing to investment and we're, we're, we're seeing increasing investment in this space. I think the likes of Axel Index and Sequoia invested in Scotland for the first time ever in the last few years. 
Um, and I think the reason for that is that there's 16 universities in the UK that are kind of deemed world class in terms of the research and development capabilities. Um, and half of them are actually in the north of the UK with a number of Russell Group universities. Um, so that means that there's a lot of STEM talent coming out uh, into the market. There's lots of people coming up with ideas in university and spinning out. Um, and I think it would be great to see the 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 the, the investment uh, there uh, to be able to support those businesses. Um, I think we also, in, in Scotland in particular, we also need a lot more um, kind of uh, success stories uh, regarding um, kind of companies grown in Scotland that uh, become kind of global powerhouses. So I think the the main three ones in Scotland that everyone will have heard of, the, the unicorns are obviously Skyscanner, FanDuel um, and, and BrewDog. Uh, that's only three uh, unicorns, uh, companies worth more than a billion. And I think we need more outcomes like that that will then uh, really put Scotland on the map uh, and kind of influence investors to really look look up here. Um, I think Dave made a few good points regarding um, uh, uh, regarding deal flow and also the networks that we've got up here. It does make sense to have a local investor with boots in the ground who has a vested uh, interest in the ecosystem and uh, really invests in uh, creating a world world class venture program in the regions. Um, and also from a kind of diligence and uh, validation point of view, just having people near. Uh, the ecosystem, uh, you'll you'll much more likely know the founders, um, and you can quickly uh, work out uh, which which people are are people you want to go into business with and that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's it's definitely a, there's a huge opportunity here, um, but I, I, I think there's there's a lot more that can be done over the next few few years. Um, I think Pratura and ourselves are are working on that, and it would be great to see a number of others join us on that journey. Yeah, I've got to I've got to jump in there because I think there's some great points you made, and I think I'd like to just sort of cover off a few of those. Yeah, the the London VCs coming and looking north, it's definitely happening. What's interesting though is is it's kind of done in a feels a bit half-hearted if I'm completely honest. You know, it's kind of we want to do more in the north. We'll come up and do a couple of deals, but you know, the 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 plan is we'll stick one associate up in Manchester or one associate in Scotland for few weeks a month and that's not that's not what's going to drive deal flow that's not what's going to be you know get you get your real presence in in what is a, a local market i think the other point that i made which is fantastic is again i don't i refuse to believe there's a there's a there's a talent shortage in the north of england but what there is in the north of england and in scotland is that infrastructure to be world class you know the 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 infrastructure around around the North of England, around Manchester, around Leeds, around Liverpool, around Sheffield, around Edinburgh, around Glasgow, is, is equivalent to anywhere in the UK. And you know, one of the things that the UK is amazing at is education. If you take the list of the top 100 universities, you know, a good proportion of them are you know, far outweighing kind of you know, our relative skies at size economically are from the UK. And then when you look at kind of the North of England, Versus London, you know, we we punch above our way again in terms of those top quality universities, and that's where the talent is coming from. You know, Manchester and Liverpool have one of the best sort of computer science programs in 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 the world. Um, you know, some of the best universities in in the world are in Scotland, and there is this just this it's a it's a it's such a huge opportunity. And I think the other thing with VCs in in the north of England is we kind of wear two hats. 
So in London, you're a VC, you're a VC, you do what you do, right? That's, and that's fine, that's great. We don't have to worry about the ecosystem. We don't have to worry about the, you know, about the wider picture. And I think one of the great things about certainly PAR, certainly Prachura, and a few other VCs in this region, we're actually trying to build the ecosystem, which, which builds a huge amount of goodwill amongst the founders because the founders in the ecosystem want to see, you know, want to see the North punching its weight. They want to see Scotland punching its weight. They want to see success in the region. And because we're all, you know, we're, we're wearing that hat of ecosystem building as well as being a VC, we get, you know, people in, in our part of the world they want us to succeed. You know, they really want to kind of see, we see a lot of deals where, you know, we, we did a deal just before Christmas where a big American VC is back in a business based in Macclesfield, which is, for those who don't know, just south of Man just south of Manchester, right? We got invited into that deal, which was a deal where big American VCs putting sort of six, seven million quid into a very early stage, a sort of early Series A business. And we were able to participate in that uh, because, Effectively, the founder was saying, well, we want to get someone local. We want to have someone as part of our team who is who's on the same journey we are. They, they're very passionate about building a great business in the north of England, in, in their part of the world. And they want to see, you know, that the, the same sort of thing. And they want to and they'll go out of their way to give us out, give businesses like Power, businesses like Bradshaw opportunities to get into deals that probably wouldn't happen if you were a London VC, because you know, no one's sat there crying over the lack of ecosystem in, in, in London, are there? No one's, no one's like, I don't think people are sat there going, I really want that London-based VC to succeed. Whereas in our little part of the world, and it is a smaller part of the world, people want us to succeed because they see that we're actually giving back to the community. Uh, and that's a huge part of the role we play, which probably doesn't actually happen in, in sort of more established, in, in more established places. I don't know what you, what you think to that, Aidan. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there's there's a number of uh, kind of uh, things that, things that play in London that means that they they don't actively kind of come up uh, to, to to the regions. I think there's 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 a lot of deal flow um, and there's there's high high deal sifting that they go through uh, just in London alone. Um, I think there's also a, a lot of FOMO that that takes place uh, and, and in the network of London. I think that that FOMO is probably a a, a, a lot larger than you probably see. Up here, so there's there's plenty of deals for them to do down there without um, kind of having to bother to come up to the north. I think what we can do to try and uh, kind of uh, influence them to come up is obviously uh, supporting uh, the the great companies and great founders that are coming up, and really kind of banging the drum from the north about what's going on up here. Um, and it, 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 is, it is happening. I just, I just feel that more and more of us need to do. Uh, in the ecosystem, we need to make a, a bigger, bigger deal, shout louder about things. And definitely in Scotland, we're we're probably not not the best at shouting and banging our own drum. But I think we definitely need it's to. Nor it's the northern mentality. Right? We, don't, <laughs> we don't tell us that. We don't tell the stories of uh, of the great success that we do have. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that we always say in terms of like the ecosystem needs. You need success. You need you need funds to do well. You need founders to do well. You need. You know, unicorns to be founded if, if unicorns are your thing, right? Or we just need good, successful businesses to be created. Well, it's clear the opportunities are there from everything you've both been explaining. And, and So in terms of what advisors can and perhaps should expect from EIS managers, just talk us through 
what do you think they they should expect from their managers? Yeah, well, we've already talked a bit about deal flow. Um, I think we see about a thousand opportunities every year. We end up investing in between six and eight of those companies. So uh, the, the the quality of the deal, the deals that we see are definitely high in the uh, uh, IFAs and their clients uh, should expect to get exposure to very high quality uh, opportunities. Um, I think also in terms of uh, the exit landscape uh, on in the north of the UK, uh, we've we've obviously been going for about fifteen years now, and we've returned cash to investors every year for the last ten years. I think some of the the kind of success stories have been the likes of Current Health uh, that sold for four hundred million dollars uh, two years ago, and that was a success of COVID, as as Dave was referring to earlier. Um, uh, it was a remote patient monitoring business uh, built in Edinburgh, but, but, but becoming a kind of global powerhouse based over in Boston now, uh, acquired by Best Buy Health, a large NYSE listed business. Um, and there are there are exits like that in Scotland every year. Just our, just a few months ago, our co-investor up here in Scotland, Archangels, sold a business called Blackford Analytics to, to Bayer, uh, the large pharma business. And it's great to see more and more of these uh, really successful um, stories happening. So I think IFAs and their clients can be uh, kind of uh, rest assured that there's going to be a strong exit potential from the businesses that they're backing. I think in terms of uh, how we kind of, uh, what IFAs should expect from from managers in the regions is because of that deal flow, there's uh, there's there's quite, quite fast deployment because we are able to, identify opportunities very quickly and also transact on opportunities quickly and that that should alleviate things regarding deployment in terms of uh, making sure that uh, uh, money is deployed in the right tax year etc and uh, in time for carry back if there is deployment pressure um, and then there's things are regarding uh, kind of transparency of fees and stuff as well that um, we we are very 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 kind of uh, transparent on what we offer to to our clients, both direct and through IFAs. Um, we're also very uh, very kind of approachable. Um, we've got a very quick turnaround time on 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 responses, and we're we're often able to speak directly with the clients and the IFAs should they wish to regarding opportunities um, and uh, and a number of other things. Yeah, just and just to pick up on that, I think everything that Aidan said is absolutely true. I think the, the simplest way of what, what what should an IFA think and expect when they if they were to use a, a regional fund manager, exactly the same as what they'd expect from a London fund manager, right? Every we're doing the same job. We're trying to find exceptional companies and we're trying to help them build the best best business they can. Uh, and then we're trying to have a transparent, open relationship with all of our investors. We treat every pound of capital as if it's our own. You know, the the the, the basics are exactly the same as what you should expect from a London uh, a, a London uh, fund manager. And actually, I think from certainly speaking for Pratchett and for Par, I know that you know some of the feedback we get is that we try a bit harder. Maybe that's because we've got the northern chip on our shoulder. Maybe it's because we're a bit you know it's a bit harder. Maybe I, I don't know what it is, but I think you know that's a bit of feedback we do get. I think that the the other so rather than answer what they should expect because it's exactly the same the way you the way you assess whether a regional fund manager is a good fund manager is the way you assess whether a 
London fund manager is a good fund manager. We should be able to get the same level of returns. We should be able to give the same level of transparency. We should be able to deploy the money in the same amount of time. We should be able to do, you know, all of those things should, ha should happen. And obviously you need to start returning capital to investors. The bit that I'd actually answer, which is a slightly different question, is why would you use a regional fund manager? And I think that the, the reason for using a regional fund manager is because it, it, it adds natural diversification to what you may be doing within a large EIS case, right? So often we find with, with investors, particularly from, say, a London IFA, we're not getting the 100% of the case for the EIS that they're doing, right? We're not get so if they might use an MMC, they might use a, you know, they might use a park walk, they might use a and a another EIS fund manager in, in London for some of the for some of an individual's EIS capacity. But then if you use a northern or a you know regional fund manager, by definition, you are getting diversification. Two-thirds of what we invest in is northern companies. If you apply that to a London fund manager, I bet they're less than 5% of, of companies. And what we do see when I go down to the see deals is the same firms working together on the same deals, the same companies going round and round the houses. You, know, you see a London cap table, it's got the same fund managers on it, right? And that's not diversification. By going outside into the regions, if you sort of split your check up between, say you've got a client who's looking at a hundred grand check and you said, right, well, 60 of it's going to go to my favorite London fund managers and 40 of it's going to go to regional fund managers. You're getting diversification by definition because the deals we're doing are not the same deals that the deals the London fund managers are doing, which me, you know, and diversification in EIS is paramount. This is not a, you know, EIS is not a deal, is not a tax relief that I believe to do it on single stock deals or to, but invest with a fund manager that gives you two or three companies as your diversification. That is not enough diversification. Diversification is eight to 10 companies at least in every sort of portfolio of businesses that certainly we put together. And I think if you can, if you look at it sort of as a diversification play, there's a real opportunity. And then when, you, when you've invested, we should be doing exactly the same. We should give you exactly the same service, if not better than any of the other EIS for managers. Every EIS for manager should be trying its absolute best to find and back exceptional founders, help them build the best business they can, and have a proper, open, transparent relationship with investors and their IFA advisors. You know, those, those are the basics. What we're saying is that we actually think there's a huge opportunity to potentially get better returns. That every VC will tell you you can get better returns if you invest with them than somebody else, because, and that's a hard thing to prove until the numbers come out at the end of it, right? In, five to seven years time. But what we can do is guarantee diversification, which is a good thing for clients. Yeah, I think the, the other piece on that is, uh, we talked a bit about valuations earlier on. I think in the regions, there are examples where we've invested in companies uh, in the regions where um, their competitors valuation at the same level, if not at an earlier stage than the company that we've invested in that are probably 5x to 10x more than uh, the company that we've invested in and that that speaks to the fact that there's a lot more competition in places like London than there are in the regions for deals and over the last few years in particular there's been a lot of a uh, um, kind of uh, FOMO at play that's uh, that means that companies are getting a number of term sheets which just over inflates prices which is now what we're seeing the kind of the fallout of both in the the public markets and the private markets uh, 
with the tech correction that's happening at the moment. And I think uh, what we can obviously provide to IFAs and their clients is we 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 do pride ourselves in getting into very exciting opportunities at good enterprises that will be able to secure good exit prices uh, and returns for investors. Yeah, I think that's I think that's such a huge a huge point that valuation point, which is which is it's just definitively true. You know, I and I think a lot of people will have read a lot about VC world you know, in the press and they read about, you know, what's happened to Klarna and the 56 billion drop in valuation and, you know, the world and it's what, you know, Tiger Global and what it was doing and SoftBank and the crazy things it was doing, right? And I think what we find is that a lot of IFAs read that and read that across the entire VC ecosystem as VC went nuts in 2021, paid stupid valuations for businesses and is now never going to make a return from those businesses. And that would be true if you were the investor in Klarna at 50, 60 odd billion dollars, right? Because it's not worth it. Um, for anyone who's investing in Klarna, it's just not worth it. Uh, I suspect it might be worth zero, but that's a totally separate point. Um, but that just didn't happen in our part of the world. Seed and Series A valuations did not go as nuts as the press would have you believe. It was the B, C, D, E valuations from the mega funds, the Sequoias, the A16Zs, the Tigers, the, you know, the SoftBanks that went nuts. And they did, and they absolutely did. Seed and Series A, which is the bit that Par and, and Prajora do, didn't, were insulated from that. And the North was insulated from that, from any, any sort of increase that there was in London in Seed and Series A, the North was insulated from that. So I can say categorically, and I know a little bit about the Par, our portfolio as well. Neither Par nor Prajura were in the business of paying 100x, 100x revenues, uh, 100 times revenue for a business. We just, we just, it just didn't happen. We weren't doing it. It wasn't part of our ethos. You know, a lot of times, you know, one of the biggest debates we have in internally is we do do some deals in London. So two thirds of what we do is Northern and one third is everywhere else. And the biggest question we have is that, you know, is valuation a lot of times, you know, especially if it's a London deal. We might really like the company, but if you overpay on the way in, the business has to be worth a huge amount of money on the way out. And and sometimes you look at business and go, I'd really like to be part of that if it was a 10 million pre-money valuation, because I can see how it gets to a 50 to 100 million valuation down the line. But if you buy that same business at 40, to get a decent return, you've got to sell it for a quarter of a billion quid. And whichever way, whichever way you slice it, quarter of a billion pounds for someone to pay cash for a business is a lot of money. Um, and, and I think a lot of times in 2021, people forgot that. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. Aidan, you mentioned it briefly in your last answer, but can you discuss the change in tech landscape from an EIS perspective? I, I think it's, it's mainly regarding the, the valuation kind of landscape at the moment. Um, so as Dave kind of referred to, the, the seed to series A stage uh, has been somewhat isolated uh, because a lot of businesses that you invest at seed to series A are still quite early in, the, in, in, this, in their life cycle, in the stage of development. I have not really become reliant on revenue and are really kind of investing in developing and growing the team. Um, and I think 
where, where, where that's happened, uh, the, 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 they've not really kind of over-egged their, their, their revenues and uh, EBITDA uh, kind of projections for the next few years because they, they do understand where, where the, what stage the business is at. I think for the, the later stage businesses that are highly kind of revenue generating and approaching uh, break-even profitability, et cetera, um, they've got a lot more uh, kind of data to, to hang themselves with. Um, and that's where you're seeing companies that raised at the, at, at the peak in 2021 uh, at, at crazy valuations that have then not been able to grow into their valuations and not been able to hit their 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 revenue projections. Um, and obviously, sales cycles, et cetera, are, 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 are expanding just given everything that is going on in the economy just now. Um, so it's 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 become increasingly difficult for businesses at Series B, Series, series C to raise that valuation without having to go down a highly structured or or, or large down round kind of scenario. Um, one one thing I would say is across all those stages is that the best, the very best companies uh, will still get funded. They will still actually probably get be quite competitive processes for those businesses because what's happened is that there's a lot of venture capital businesses that have either come out of the market because they were tourist investors um, uh, or um, they're taking a much more prudent approach to their investment decisions. So either setting on the cash that they've got or being being more selective in the deals that they take on. So that means that the, the high quality opportunities are just receiving much more attention. So if, you, if, if you're a company that's ex extremely interesting, you're hitting your your milestones in your business plan, you will be able to get funding. It's just the businesses that fall out of that classification will not. And I think that's a, a good development for venture for technology because it means that the technology companies that are really growing and offering something to the market will be able to access the talent that they require because they're not uh, placed in other businesses that will will perhaps die in the next few years. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of good things that are coming out of out of that, and I think it will um, will mean that a lot of the the winners uh, in our portfolio and and Pratura's portfolio will will benefit from that as well. Yeah, I think just picking up on that, I think the big change is sort of in my uh, sort of viewpoint is is it's just more discipline. There's more discipline required in every part of the business. I think you know. Founders who are coming to us now are sort of going, right, we want to build sustainably and we want to grow profitably. We're looking at paths to profitability. That's something we've always looked at. But for a while that did, you know, founders did lose that because they always assumed as long as we grow, there'll be funding down the line, right? And and it's almost becomes a <laughs> I found this frustrating during kind of that peak period of 2021, where people, you know, Founders were spending most time looking at what's the next funding round rather than building the business. You know, just build a good business and funding will come. Not, I'm going to build from here to the next funding round because that's the point. Funding is not, funding rounds are not the most important things in businesses. Building a great business is the most thing, most important thing in businesses. Um, and I think the, the discipline also applies to VCs. So, you know, we've, the, the challenge for VCs right now, especially those who did participate in, you know, very high funding, very high valuations, uh, you know, 2021, et cetera, is the discipline to make sure that they don't just prop companies up. Um, you know, and and the I can say with some certainty from Pratura's perspective, 
I've learned that lesson of not propping companies up because I have done it with my own money and lost money. Um, and that is a very quick way to learn the lesson. You know, very, very, very rarely does a propped up company, you know, just the, we'll just put a bit more money in and then it'll buy itself another six months or nine months and hopefully something will work out and it'll get, very rarely is that a great investment. Actually, what, what VC fund managers should be doing is in a portfolio of companies, identifying the winners and buying as much of those winners as they possibly can with whatever follow-on funding they they have allocated, right? That is the strategy for VC. And I think one of the things with retail and IFA-led EIS VCT uh, sort of you know fundraising is people don't like to hear about the losers. They don't like to hear the businesses that have gone bust. But unfortunately, that is a part and parcel of VC. There will be a portion of businesses that you back that don't go to plan and should go to zero and shouldn't return any capital to investors. But what I do see a lot of, and you know, I think it is prevalent in retail, so VCTIS, is a desire to not, to, to sort of avoid that. And you see companies that perennially go around every year and they raise money from the people who are on the cap table and they try and bring somebody else in. And I think the discipline really for a VC here is to not get involved in those companies you know, we see a load of times there's like four VCs on the cap table, they're raising a million quid, it's described as a bridge, they go from something, nothing happens, and they come back around in a year's time, doing the exact same thing. That That's terrible VC management. It's just really bad, because it's just not going to create returns, it's not the best use of capital. You know, yes, it might avoid an awkward conversation, yes, it might avoid retur returning that zero to an investor. But putting a pound of good money after a pound of less good money is not a good strategy. And I think this will happen. More businesses in VC portfolios in the next few years will fail because in 2021, everything got funded. You, know, you didn't have to be very good to get funding. Now you have to be good to get funding. More VC-backed businesses will fail. That will be the case for every portfolio of every VC fund manager in the world, I think. And anyone who tells you that's not the case is probably lying to you. Um, and the discipline of a VC now is to make sure they don't fall into the trap of just propping things up. Follow-on money should be reserved 100% for the very best businesses in the portfolio. Just to be clear, that doesn't mean, right, wash your hands of the businesses that are going well. And that doesn't mean, you know, just saying, you know, just let them fold, right? Do everything you can to avoid that. But don't just put in you more more good money after bad, because that is a way of just return. It's, it ruins your return. It's a short-term fix. It's a Band-Aid. And most of the time, it doesn't work. Uh, and I think that's where discipline across all fu functions of startup ecosystem now is discipline from a founder. You know, hire people when you absolutely need somebody, not because, because hiring people is a metric of growth. You know, how many times, Aidan, you'll have heard this, yeah, we've grown because we've grown from 10 people to 50 people. Well, do you need those 50 people? Are they doing anything? Or have you, yeah, like, yeah it, it, like it became this weird metric for growth. Discipline now is hire people you absolutely need when you're screaming for them or ahead of a planned approach to do something good. Um, and then discipline from VCs is very much around the discipline to back the winners and not prop things up. I think actually that's probably a really great way to end what's been a fantastic discussion, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for 
sharing all your insights. Um, we could probably happily talk for much longer, couldn't we, Brandon? But for uh, now, I'd just we, say... I'm sure, I'm sure Aidan and I definitely could talk for longer about the joys, <laughs> of, the joys of investing in the North and Scotland. <laughs> Good to hear. Thank you so definitely. much for sharing all your knowledge and insights. And I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research, and whatever necessary, legal advice, should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.